0: It's her! It's her! It's Mildred! Did you guys see that? You have to leave! I can't leave! She's blocking the stairs! I'm gonna die! What video?
1: Thing that was hanging in the closet well i figured out what it was the symbol is a hamza it's hard to identify because it's an ancient version but if you look at these shapes you can see these are the fingers and this is the eye this
2: kid's like 12 years old
1: i don't know if you know very much about hamzas but it's a symbol that is used to ward off evil everybody uses it the jews muslims christians pagans There's a whole thing on Wikipedia about it, but I'm pretty sure that the people that made it were trying to keep the evil spirits of the House of Bay, and my guess is it was probably working until you destroyed it. What? I'm sorry, Sean, but I just wanted to say I'm a big fan, and I think you're really funny, and the world should just forgive you,
0: because
2: you're a good person, and everybody's too sensitive these days.
0: I unleashed her. I unleashed... Somebody help me! the only thing we have to fear
1: is fear itself. No. Be afraid. Be very
0: afraid. There's nothing to fear except God. Whatever that means to you. Do I look like someone who cares what God thinks?
1: you're listening to a podcast exploring faith and fear what scares us and what saves us this is the fear of god
3: hello and welcome back to your favorite podcast At the intersection of faith and fear, whether it's your first episode or your 301st, you are at the place where every single week except January's, we discuss what scares us in order to find what saves us. This is the Fear of God podcast. Speaking to you right now is one of your hosts, Nathan Rouse, and typically with me is fellow co-host Reed Lackey. And guys, Reed was here, but he said the anticipation of jumping back into our new year, especially featuring the guest we're about to have, had given him the nervous poops all week and he needed to excuse himself. I'm sure, I'm sure we'll see him soon enough. In the meantime, allow me to welcome you listeners back to a brand new year here at the Fear of God podcast and to our first episode in our very first series of the year. Every February, we cover films from the previous year's slate of horror releases, and 2023 is no different. What is different today? is we'll not only be covering a 2022 film, but we'll also be joined by previous guest and best-selling horror novelist Grady Hendrix, whose newest release, How to Sell a Haunted House, has just hit store shelves in January. Stay tuned until after the patron segment for our discussion with Grady about his book and about the film Deadstream. But before we check out Sean's latest Spuds to My Nuds segment, permit me to remind you listeners that here at The Fear of God, we explore, we don't explain, Except for right now, when I explain that you can find every fog and fear of God thing imaginable at the thefearofgodpodcast.com, such as how to support us on Patreon, as well as essays, team bios, episode archives, merchandise,
0: Read like a... <laughs> <laughs> what? what? the heck?
1: Oh, man, I was going to try to imitate his scream, but I'm just, I, I, I ain't got it. Oh, I ain't yeah, got it that's okay. Yeah. I wouldn't have yeah. got it
3: either. So, it yeah, a lost exactly. effort. It's just been super um, obnoxious. Reed, I am I'm excited to see you. I'm well, excited to, to be see you back too. in the fog. What's Happy up? New year. Yeah. I am excited because we get to talk to Grady Hendrix today. And that is always a thing to celebrate. And so Man, if you don't that mind, guy's great. Can we can we be a little brisky here? Let's um, let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah, do let's some do business it. time. So we do have some business time. I want to invite listeners. Voting for the twenty-two thing is, is pretty much about to be over. If it's yes. not over already, mm-hmm. yep. About to be over. Uh,
1: it. I, I would say as it's of right now, over. It's, yeah, basically it's basically over. over. It's so basically it, over.
3: You know, that was business in twenty twenty two. Um, or during the break, rather. I do read. This is exciting. So that's over. It's done. That's old news. Is finish it. Yes. Yeah. What is new news, Riri? New news, Riri. Is I slash we want to formally announce happy hour horror hangouts what happy hour horror hangouts Riri, i love this it's great it's gonna be a lot of fun uh so happy hour horror hangouts vloggers is going to be that's a mouthful is a brand (laughs) new perk open to all of our patrons we are going to be implementing a monthly Mm -hmm. zoom hangout with your hosts sometimes both sometimes one We will make a post in the Patreon feed in the next few days to maximize scheduling and attendance, um, to make sure all you foggers who want to can come, but this is going to be a great new way to continue to cement the foggers as the premier horror fandom. Come hang out with us in 45 minute or so zoom session to just chat movies, share a beverage, ask questions, enjoy each other's company. One way to solidify the community we've got growing here. I'm excited for happy hour horror hangouts. (laughs) Uh, I know Reed. I'm pretty sure you're excited for. Oh, very excited.
1: I am so excited for For happy
3: hour horror hangouts. There you go. I can even say uh,
1: happy hour horror hangouts. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yes, I know that's That's a uh, different. Horror. Yeah. (laughs) That's a very different
3: patronage. (laughs) Um, Join (laughs) our Patreon at even just the five dollar five dollar level (laughs) join at the five dollar level. Just start coming out to the happy hour horror hangout. Riskness includes stumbling. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of Patreon, we're going to have a very special guest. No, not Grady. Not yet, at least for mm-hmm. that. It's true. One of an occasion. And before I, any last business you need to attend to read before. No, I- I'm good. Okay. No, I'm good. Yeah. Um, in this patron segment, without further ado, one of an occasionally listless sort. Let us go here about Haunted houses that may be worth spending the night in. To the Patron Mobile. So, about this episode. All right, listeners, we're going to get to the film dead stream here momentarily. But before we do, we want to welcome a guest back into the fog with us. I am excited because though he's been on the show before it is my first time getting to chat with him. He has previously taken the horror publishing world by storm with his novels such as Final Girl Support Club, My Best Friend's Exorcism, recently adapted to film and available to watch on Amazon Prime, The Southern (laughs) Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires, just to name a few. That is right. Today we have back on the show, here to educate us on some of his new insights into the real estate market in the coastal Carolinas with his recently released work, How to Sell a Haunted House. Ladies and gentlemen, friends and foggers, it is best-selling author, Grady Hendrix. Grady, thank you so much for being here, sir.
2: Thanks for having me. I feel like with a buildup like that, we need to launch full-on into a real estate seminar I think yeah, the Coastal yeah. Carolina's so, reference, too. Right. So, yeah. <laughs>
3: well, how can I'm I in
2: increase Charlotte? my earning potential?
3: Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I'm in Charlotte. So, you're you're kind of speaking our language. Oh,
2: you're in Charlotte. Okay, <laughs> yeah. there you go.
3: Our ancient enemies in North Carolina. You are
2: the North <laughs> yeah. Korea to our South Korea. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> so sure, awesome.
0: we'll, we'll, we'll go with it. You guys
2: um, with your fancy economy and your <laughs> universities and your commitment to ed- education like yes ooh. that's so us.
3: Fair. now yeah to be we're fair. just gonna
2: sit down in South Carolina and eat possums and yeah, 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 yeah. we're good with yes. that that's uh, our economy
3: now, now, for what it's worth, I didn't grow up in Charlotte. I, I I am a transplant as of 2006, but at this point, you know, my kids are the, effectively natives yeah, and that kind the, of thing.
1: The profound irony is I grew up in Charlotte, so... right? <laughs> yes. So, yes.
3: We so, just passed yeah, the baton. Reed laughed as I came, <laughs> and I was here like, we are bye. You know, 20 years later. <laughs> yeah. um, so we're going to get to the movie here in a second. Grady, I didn't have the opportunity last time you were here and want to... Express my affection for your work by way of an anecdote, uh, if okay. you'll permit me. Receive this story as high compliment. Uh, okay. Because my, my wife says generally, and Reed even said recently to fellow fogger Jackson Harper when I gushed about Jackson's live music that I, in her words, don't impress easily. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this is high compliment. After Reed's interview with you last time, I started really crash coursing some of your work. And this was the summer of 21. I was at her family's beach week, uh at the aforementioned Carolina Coast, not far, likely from your old stomping grounds, and was in the middle of reading Southern Book Club. And for any of our listeners, if you haven't read Southern Book Club, it's an excellent book, yes, but but it's it's Vampire stalks Coastal Carolina town and and Bedlam ensues. Um I took so I took an opportunity to really lean into the experience while I was there. Um Read, think about the story I told you about watching Black Coat's daughter on the back oh, yeah. porch in the wicker chair at night on my iPad surrounded mm-hmm. by darkness. That was what I was kind of going for because it was her family's beach thing. I felt a little more freedom to steal away uh, to read and really wanted to do the moment justice. So let me set the scene here for you. It's probably about 9 30 p.m. It's quite dark outside. Uh, the moon's reflected off the ocean. There's lights from beach houses that give some illumination when you're outside. And I grabbed one of the chairs. From the beach house porch got my kindle with you know i don't remember exactly where i was in southern book club but you'll maybe you'll be able to name it here in a second (laughs) grabbed one of the chairs dragged it down the boardwalk from the house uh again it was nighttime uh positioned the chair if you're getting the visual of this boardwalk is i don't know 50 feet i don't know how long boardwalks are but it's pretty long (laughs) positioned the chair so my back was to the beach house Physically, I was facing the ocean on either side of me was probably about an eight foot drop to sand and dunes and beach foliage below (laughs) to repeat. It was nighttime. I had an adult beverage with me, which probably did (laughs) not matter. So I've got my Kindle and I'm at a climactic part of Southern Book Club and I'm excited. You know, you're a horror writer. We're horror fans. Like there's something about just leaning in to the scary sometimes. Uh, so it took me a minute, but I set up this perfect arrangement of moments and and dove back into your book and I start reading and the sounds of the ocean are basically the only thing to be heard and it's dark and I'm out there about five minutes and I said, nope, I'm not going <laughs> to stay. <laughs> I got so unnerved by a particular scene I was at that I turned off the Kindle, dragged the chair back at the porch and went inside to read where it was well lit because I was so freaked out.
2: <laughs> Man, I thought you were going to go down that eight foot drop. I'm, no, I'm actually, no, yeah, no, that
3: would have been truly perilous. Yeah. Yes. No, like all, I'm, all I'm trying to illustrate bug. for you is you've got the goods and I really appreciate you uh, well, helping you. me have a life story there.
2: <laughs> no no no! i really appreciate it. listen I, I to make someone who's settled in with an adult beverage like in a perfect reading spot move venues it's it's, like a, it's an accomplishment that's yes, where indeed.
3: it is yes that's indeed. where it is well let, let me let me prompt you here grady real quick i want you to tell us about because we're going to get to deadstream. i do want to spend some time talking about that it's fun um you got a new book as of this recording it will have already released um okay. but, uh, so okay. it is on shelves listeners um how to sell a haunted house uh um I am I am right at the end I'm not quite at the end so don't spoil the very end yet if in the, event you're going <laughs> I won't to. Spoil the um end. yeah but pitch us a little bit on 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 what prompted this particular story what what made this one be next for you
2: Well, so the book is about two adult siblings a brother and a sister who hate each other uh which I don't think it's enough play you know like not everyone gets along um and they have to sort of they're estranged and they have to uh put up with each other uh (laughs) when their parents die and they have to clean out their childhood home and put it on the market and of course the childhood home is right there in the title it's haunted uh by puppets and dolls which is disgusting i'm sorry about that um (laughs) and and really where this came from you know i wrote this book during the pandemic and on the one hand, it was an urge to hang out with the family, because I couldn't see my family. Um, mm-hmm. And so I was going to make one up and hang out with them. Uh, and family stories are haunted house stories, usually, you know, like the haunted house stories are usually about a family, uh, mm-hmm. family secrets, family curses, family heirlooms, all that crap. Um, but the other part of it was, you know, I'm at the stage of my life where I'm dealing with my parents. They're in their late 80s. And the mm-hmm. pandemic, especially, I think for a lot of us, we realized kind of just how fragile our parents' situations were often, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure anyone's parents like that that isolation was good for them. Uh right. and I think we all sort of looked and we're like, oh God, like both my parents are alive, but I sort of like, I'm gonna have to clean out this garage one day. I'm gonna have to throw out this stuff i'm gonna take these clothes to goodwill and we all have weird relationships with inanimate objects and and i really what gets me excited is finding something we all share that no one's exploited before because god all all the fields (laughs) are really firmly tilled and plowed but and i realized you know the weird relationship we all have with inanimate objects like there was something there, you know, we, we yell at our cars, we beg our laptops, we drop our phones and go, Oh my God, I'm sorry. Like, you know, we, <laughs> we, we have childhood stuffed animals. Like we have weird relationships with inanimate objects. And I feel like the toy story movies lit Andy off a little too early, mm. easy, you yeah. know, like Andy, those toys were good to him and he ditched them. Are you kidding yeah. me? Like they're. I don't know. I don't know if they'd be so forgiving. Like good thing. Tom Hanks is one of them. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, what if his toys were voiced by like Christopher Walken, you know, like, I mean, that could be a whole different movie. Yeah. So, so yeah. So inanimate objects and the relationship we have with them. Um, I don't know if either of you guys have ever had to do this, but I've had to clean out a friend's house after they passed away. And it's like, mm. it's a really complicated, weird. Well, it's not that complicated. You got to throw all the shit away, but yeah, Right, it's not fun. Like, and it's it's complicated <laughs> yeah. inside your head. You know, you're like, sure. oh, these are the action figures he collected. They, they yeah. they're right. not really valuable, but they. What do
3: I? Well, and trash. then when you start, when you start. Processing that it makes you assess your own relationship to positions, mm-hmm. right? When you're when you're doing reflection, but now you also have me thinking of Buzz Lightyear saying to infinity and screw you to Andy, right? And It's just like <laughs> he just, he's got a, exactly. he's got a, he's, a lot of feelings he's sitting on there. Um, <laughs> Reed, I, I want you to to jump in here, but what's really hilarious and Reed, I don't even know if you know this, Grady. Uh, in the event it's unclear, Reed and I've known each other for probably closing in on 22 plus years at this point, so my mother is a retired kindergarten teacher and I didn't start. And I'm I'm glad you referenced the puppets, Grady, because I didn't know how uh, uh, vague you were going to be about the plot when you, when you pitched to us on uh, to the listeners. So uh, I didn't know when I started the book, but that's kind of where we were heading. Uh, Just start the book. Oh, haunted house. And Oh God, these, these puppets, my mother made as part of her kindergarten teacher persona oh always had puppets like used ah. them actively in the classroom and you have like totally r- made me reassess what might have <laughs> actually been happening uh <laughs> in her usage of these puppets in the classroom for five-year-olds six-year-olds. well
2: you know they take on a life of their own you know i know yes. people who do puppet ministries and all that stuff. And, and as much as the puppets are silly and weird, they do take on their own personalities. You know, they, they take on a life of their own, even when your hand's not in them. So yeah, Yeah. it's, it's weird.
1: No, I, I I totally get it. Uh, So I, I do really, really love this new book. And yes, of course, you're here. So that can seem like, oh, well, of course, you're supposed to say that. But no, I, I, I really, really love your stuff. <laughs> um, I, have, I have a couple of questions. So the, the first one I want to zone in on is, is I've noticed that your books tend to focus on in the midst of this horrific premise a unique relational dynamic. And there's usually something in it, you know, that that like uh, it, with my best friend's exorcism, it's, you know, high school friendships and relationships in final girl support group. We have, you know, shared trauma is kind of that a neighborly community for Southern book club. And, and as you mentioned, this one has a unique sibling dynamic. Um, so I'm, I'm very curious, like what was it? Did like the premise come first and then this idea of these adult siblings, or was it something where that, sort of led to this dynamic of this haunted house. I guess I'm kind of interested where yeah. whether the relationship was what was interested in being explored and it led to the haunted house or vice versa and, and how that process all worked.
2: Yeah, well, you know, my sister-in-law really called me out on it with my best friend's exorcism. It was like, everyone in books is an only child. And, mm. I, and, and she's right. Like, it's complicated to write families because families are all backstory. It's all inside jokes, you know? Um, And so you got to flesh out all that stuff. That's never going to appear on the page. And that was kind of daunting, but I knew I wanted to, to do that. I wanted to write a dude. I want and have him be a main character who wasn't a bad guy. And I wanted to write a brother and sister. And then I was like, Oh, parents passing away. And I was like inanimate objects, and mm-hmm. and it also you know this stuff floats around it's it's kind of like um everything floats around and it's just looking to link up you know what i mean like mm. and and i've tried to start books where the right combination of things hasn't linked up yet i've yeah. you know what i mean and and, and they kind of like eh, there's not enough gas in that tank to get you where you want to be but this was brothers and sisters parents you know passing away and sure. Inanimate objects, and and I've got a. I hate to admit it, but I've got a, like a puppetry background, so like I've been dying hey, to put puppets That was in. clear.
1: You knew yeah. what you were talking about. Yeah. I. Uh, so so this may be this may be news to listeners. I don't think it's news to Nathan, but uh, I'm a ventriloquist, so I don't do it professionally. No. But um, Get I, out here no
3: what. What?
1: I'm a, I'm a ventriloquist I'm not I'm not setting up a joke here I did not know that you did Grady know that reads right, voice but, coming out of your mouth right now <laughs> But um but I but I'm a ventriloquist I got interested in it when I my my grandfather did it as a part of his ministry my grandfather was a pastor oh. and um and so he did it as part of his ministry when he was uh you know much younger man and I kind of connected the bug when I was about 10 11 years old and it was one of my birthday presents I believe when I was like 12 but but learned and my the, the little dummy my ventriloquist dummy was named Danny. My mom and dad still have it at their house. But I am I am one hundred percent of ventriloquist. When my wife found that out, so I think what was interesting was when my wife and my extended family found it out. Is you know that game? Um, I think it's called Speak Out, where they put the funny contraption in your mouth and you're supposed sure. to get people to say it. There is video evidence of this somewhere on Facebook, but. I put it in my mouth to play. we're all playing the game. Right. And I'm just like, oh, OK, all right. I put it in my mouth and speak clearly. And everybody at the thing is like, what? <laughs> because the art of ventriloquism is the art of being able to speak without being able right. to Close lips. And so, uh, so I I put it in there, and I'm able to say, it, and they're like, well, Reed can't play this game. Like we all understand everything
3: that he's saying. Reed, he's got a new book. Reed's got a new <laughs> skill. <everybody's laughs> about. So, man. So, yeah. Times.
1: But, but yes, I am. Uh, I am a. Well, do you I, well, keep
2: in practice? How are you?
1: Uh, so I do. I do keep in practice. I mean, it's not going to be impressive to the video audience, but I can talk right here and I can say pretty much anything. And you, you're you probably going to be able to understand most of what I'm saying without me moving my lips. So I don't even know. If wow. Nathan, it's a, talent, demon. Talent, it's a demon. It's a demon. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, obviously, right on a fire. But you also know that, like, obviously, my voice sounds Jump different because because that's the yeah. out of practice thing that you talk about. So it's clearly you know, and, and affectation and I it, it don't come through as clearly, but I think you could probably understand everything that I was saying. And hundred percent. And so people won't know, pe- listeners won't know that the video footage of it has me not moving my mouth at all. So, um but, uh, but yeah,
3: so now, I thought that was interesting. That.
1: <laughs> <laughs> very first
3: so, fear of God. TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: so, but, so wait, yeah, do you, do you have, what's your relationship with your dummy? Like,
3: that's I'm you know, right, so here, together for I'm a right long here and time. I have a name. Yeah. So
2: that is actually
1: <laughs> that's actually a great segue into my into my next question, is because like what's weird is it is this strange thing where when, so when we visit my parents' place, again, my parents still have it. That just, I don't have room for it here. It would just go in a storage unit, but they've talked many times about like, oh, you know, we could send it to you or whatever. And I was like, well, I don't do this anymore. There's really not an outlet for me to do it anymore. It's, uh, you know, you, you, you pitch doing it to children or, you know, in like kids ministry setting and everything. And it's, it's just creepy now. Like everything is yeah. just a little bit creepy unless you're Jeff Dunham and you can do it at Vegas where it's like really elaborate and like really knows what he's doing um but but you know the the smaller sort of amateur circuit for it doesn't really find that appealing and what i learned was it was niche and interesting when i was a young teenager that was like what we have a young teenage ventriloquist and that was like hyper interesting to people but as i became an adult and it just there weren't many outlets and venues for it so he has become i'd say he even danny has become this kind of just like like long ago like it's weird to call him friend. It's so weird to call him friend. But like, yeah, yeah, like brown hair, a little is, red sweater jacket. Brand, this is our very
3: <laughs> first episode of the new year, and it is just mind blowing.
1: Like, I didn't realize so much that, is happening. What I what no, I didn't know was yeah, I didn't. realize. I get it.
2: I you had a friend, and you sort of. Yeah. I mean, this is the relationship people have with their stuffed animals, with anything. Yeah. yeah. You have a friend, and you grow out of them. You leave them behind. Yeah. It's it's a yes. little guilt inducing. Like yeah.
1: No, absolutely, absolutely, and and that's what's so strange about it. And uh, you know, one thing that is a little sad, and I am, I am building up to a question, but one thing that was a little sad is so my grandfather died of Parkinson's. Uh, Parkinson's deteriorated his health over the course of about ten to eleven years, and towards the mid-range of that time frame, his ventriloquist dummy was called Mortimer, and he would pull out this ventriloquist dummy, and I remember sitting there and watching him, and 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 I'm not I'm uh, hopefully this is coming across in the spirit in which I'm saying it like watching him try to do again, what he used to know to do, but he's at war with his own body because that's the kind of disease that Parkinson's is he's at war with his own body and, and, and his own mind to a certain degree, his mind stayed fairly sharp to the end of his life, but his body certainly, you know, deteriorated. Um, But that was a very poignant and it still stays with me. There's a lot of things about, you know, my childhood that now in my forties is just kind of slipped away from me, but that is still a moment that I I think back to. And it's weird. Like you talk about, you know, just sort of uh, the relationship changes. I, I would like to read. We're not going to spoil anything about your book uh, except for what we've already had with the premise, but I would like to read one sentence, if I can, from yeah, sure. your dear reader section that I thought was so profound and, and it really set the stage. Uh, this is middle of the way. Grady does a fantastic job of just sort of a letter of invitation before you get into the story, but this stood out to me. He said, Millions of us walk around every day with our hearts full of ghosts. And every single house eventually becomes haunted, whether it's by memories or family stories or the people we've lost. And I thought that was really very profound. Um, I feel like this this idea of grief, which I think saturates the undercurrent of the of the novel. Uh, you even the subsections are divided up in the mm. stages of grief. Right. And um, so I, I'd really love for you to just take a minute, uh, and and then we you know we might linger here for a second, or we might move on, but just take a minute and and talk about that our relationships with things and how they die and how grief informed what this was, what this all, how this all came to be. If you're, if you're able to. Yeah. Touch on but
2: actually let me ask you a question before. The, so was your grandfather able to do Mortimer still, or um, did he was he able to, and then it
1: deteriorated or. Yeah. So he, he had been quite good at it. Um, yeah. When he had tried uh, his, his body was just kind of betraying him. So he still knew a lot of the core mechanics, but he couldn't make Mortimer move in a way that was fluid the way that he had before. So he's still, it was very, very challenging. And I was, uh, you know, I was in the room with him and, you know, my, the family that was still there kind of had some differing reactions to it. I won't speak to any of that there, but, but I, um, I don't even know quite how to describe it. It was, it was pretty poignant for me to sit and watch um, as this man clearly tried to execute something that, you know, w- was not capable of doing anymore. And, uh, and, and, and again, for a very, a varied amount of reasons that has yeah. uh, stayed with me. Uh,
2: no, and that's hard too, because when you learn a skill like that, it's like juggling ventricle, you know what I mean? There, piano. Yeah, like there's certain sure. things like even if your mind is going with dementia or something, sure. you can slip back into the, that muscle memory but when you've got a disease like, because my dad has Parkinson's, and when you've got a oh, wow. disease yeah. like Parkinson's, where there's the organic deterioration, it's yeah, you can't bridge that gap. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not ugh, right. That's really yep. hard, man. Yeah,
1: I, it was tough. Uh, I appreciate that. I appreciate that sympathy a lot. I really do. And and yeah. honestly, like your book. I mean, sure, you're here. We've invited you as a guest. We're we're complimentary <laughs> towards your work, but. But I, I I love I love your books because I feel like a lot of what you touch on comes from very real places. Like obviously the sibling dynamic between Louise and Mark is not my sibling dynamic with my sister, right. but it feels very real. It feels very uh, organic, and it feels very earned. And and I, I, I'm a hobbyist writer myself, so I so I understand that like the real places come often from personal places, either from personal observations or personal experiences or whatever it is. And so yeah, just just. uh Curious a bit more about how that all informed how to sell a haunted house. Well, you know, when I was
2: doing my best friend's exorcism, I Mm. realized that like the more of the real stuff I was able to put on the page, the more readers responded to it. Like, you know, in that book, Abby has horrible acne. I had Mm. brutal acne in high Mm. school. And, and it was like, just, you know, every morning you wake up and you look in the mirror and you're like, how do I how do, I, how do I face the world? And on the right. one hand, you're like, oh, kids and their zits. And, and I mm. look back and I'm like, oh, I made that too dramatic. But at the time, sure. you know, you look in the mirror and you just think, I can't do this. I can't yeah. leave. How do I talk to people? And, and I realized stuff that people responded to is when you get a little blood on the page. And, mm-hmm. you know, I had a, um, a, a close friend die and I had to help clean out his house. And that was yeah. part of this book. But also, um, just, you know, we're all going to become orphans at some point, you know, mm, uh, mm, that's just mm. inevitable. And when you're younger, it feels silly and melodramatic. Oh, yeah. Okay. My parents will die. Fine. But as you get older, you know, that gets closer and closer. And sure. as much as you feel like the older you get, the more capable you are of dealing with things, also yeah, the older you get the more you feel them to some extent Mm -hmm. or the, or the Mm -hmm. more they hit home or the more you anticipate them hitting home. Yeah. Um, Certainly. Yeah. I think if my parents had died when I was in my early Mm thirties, it would have taken me by surprise and really devastated me. My parents are going to die when I'm in my fifties and I'm Mm going to spend years dreading that, you know?
1: Yeah. Um, I understand. Yeah.
2: And it's funny. um, There's an element to it, which is, um, on the one hand, we all know this, right? Um, mm-hmm. But you look at movies and you look at a lot of books and it's like 35-year-old characters and they're like, oh, when I went to my parents' funeral, I'm like, who are you? I know <laughs> people in their 70s whose parents are still alive. Like, yeah. And to mm, me, that's yeah. a weirder relationship. Like, how do you deal with your parents when you're 20 years older than they were when they had you? like oh, you know it's wow, it's yeah. it's yeah. figuring out these adult relationships and so i feel like a lot of time fiction lets us off the hook a little bit like i'm an mm-hmm. orphan or my parents died in a tragic accident when i was 25 it's like and Dude. now i'm batman
3: oh right exactly yeah.
2: <laughs> i'm 50 and both my parents are still around like yeah. and so yeah. i i'm i've got a limited skill set i'm capable of writing about what i see around me Mm-hmm. um i'm not i couldn't do fantasy i can't create a secondary world science fiction like you know with a with in the future that's not my wheelhouse so mm-hmm. i kind of have to keep it close because otherwise i don't find it convincing like i could never i'm writing a book because i'm like i'm done with writing about charleston where i grew up so i'm writing a book now <laughs> for 2024 and it's set in saint augustine florida and i'm like wait a minute it's another Southern coastal (laughs) tourist town (laughs) within driving distance of Charleston. I
3: I started feeling like is Charleston just going to be your dairy or Castle Rock? It's like, you know, all these (laughs) shenanigans are going down. Yeah. Um, Yeah,
2: And, and I'm probably going to stick close to home because for me, the issue is to make that groundwork feel convincing in order mm -hmm. to take that jump to something mm -hmm. unreal or horrific. I, I gotta buy it. And I don't. I'm. I don't have time to learn about somewhere else. You know, like I can't move. I can't move to Raleigh and spend there. <laughs> Create a whole yeah. new language, Grady. No, a whole exactly. New language. <laughs> what do you speak in Raleigh? What is the language there?
1: It's <laughs> so funny. Well, um, I, I know. I know we we have a limited time with you, and I want to get to uh, to deadstream. So I'll just say, kind of on our way out, like. One of the things I really appreciate, and it's not—it's not in every book you've written, or at least every book that you that that I've read of yours—is the. Um, I, I think we talked last time about uh, the inclusion of the power team in my best friend's exorcism. Oh which yeah. I really appreciate it. Um, and then, of course, the the Christian puppetry element that is uh, present in How to Sell a Haunted House, and that's as, as as much as I'll say about that. What I love about it, so I don't know if there's really a question in this so much as a pat on the back is. I read and I read a lot of material and see a lot of films where quirky Christian subcultures will often make an appearance just in some form or fashion. Most of the time though, they either appear in some sort of glorification as if this is the greatest thing ever and sort of ignores the, this is also a little weird. (laughs) Like this is also a little strange or they will treat it as the butt of a very poor, cheap joke. And where I want to very very firmly pat you on the back because I and, and maybe this speaks to everything we're talking about about blood on the page and just you know the the real integration of just like well this feels earned, this feels like real life um, is I feel like whenever these quirky Christian subcultures make their way into and again they don't I don't remember any from we sold our souls I don't remember any from um, horror store but when they make their way in, I just I'm very impressed, incredibly impressed that you don't punch down, you also don't ignore the this is kind of a quirky thing uh, there, there is without spoiling for readers. There is a, uh, a funeral scene early in the book, uh, oh. as you can imagine, because <laughs> they're par- and it, 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 it's it's one of my favorite chapters because it is such this wonderful blend of poignancy It's genuinely very funny. And it highlights this this very odd that that we've all talked about uh, Nathan with uh, his mom's puppets, you know, and and talked about my grandmother taught children's church, and she had it wasn't a puppet, but like a stuffed goose that that would give you know was resting on little treats that kids could get at the end of class called Grandma oh nice goose. yeah yeah and um and so like I feel like that's really laced into a lot of that subculture and uh, and I just really appreciate that. It's, I it's really neither of those extremes. Yeah, go no, ahead. No, I really
2: appreciate you saying that. I was going to say, so I don't want to do any spoilers, but Aunt mm. Gail and Barb... So we're pitching this right now to movie companies. Mm, and sure, part sure. of the pitch is to spin out Aunt Gail and Barb into their own show. Because ah, I love yeah. the two of them. I love sure. their dynamic. I love their faith. I love that, like, and and it's funny, one of the things I've been saying to people when we pitch this is, well, you know, I mean, and I say, you know, as if people in LA, you know, have souls, but like, (laughs) I'm I'm like, (laughs) you know, there's a big debate, right? Are ghosts people who have deceased or are they, you know, is it some kind of trick? Is it like demons from hell playing on your... Think right, and you know right. in, in, in in like the Christian church that's a pretty common de- de- debate among people who talk right. about ghosts and stuff. Yeah, these people are like, are you <laughs> kidding? "That's weird. I never heard <laughs> of such a thing." And so, like, everyone's getting all excited about this stuff. To me, that is like seventies evangelicism one hundred and one. You know,
1: absolutely, um, absolutely.
2: But and I also will say, so it's funny. So, um, the house that this all takes place on is my aunt Barbara's house. I loved mm-hmm. my aunt Barbara's house growing up. It's where we had all our family celebrations and we did Thanksgiving there. We did Christmas day there. I loved sure. it. And I wanted to, during the pandemic, it was like, it was a way to like write a place I wanted to hang out in and just sure. sort of imagine sure. it and be there. But, and none of the characters are based on my aunt Barbara, but I will say my aunt Barbara was very religious to the Methodist. I mean, how religious yeah, are Methodists? Sure. but she was very <laughs> She was also, <laughs> She was also deaf. And so mm, okay. he went to church and she grew up in, in at a time when it was sort of like, you know, they weren't talking about sign language. They weren't doing any of this stuff. And she went to church for God, the same church for 23 years wow. before she got a cochlear implant and could hear what they were saying. Wow, and it's like wow, wow. to go to church every Sunday and sit there and not
1: hear it. Yeah, no like again. Wow.
2: Yeah, and I was talking to her minister, and he's like, you know, that was a real lesson in her faith. That this was an important touchstone for her because wow. she wow. couldn't hear the sermon, she couldn't hear the hymn, she could, but she wanted to be there. That was important for her to be there. And so I mm. feel like, you know, God, what, what am I going to do? Piss all over that? Like, that's, right? Of course, that's of course. Yeah. Kind of an amazing bit. Whether you believe or you don't believe. To see that someone had something in their life that was that important to them, like, yeah, what am I going to do?
1: Like, you know, make fun of it. Yeah. Well, and the sensitivity comes very, very much through. And it's one of, it's it's an aspect. There are many things I love about your writing, but it is an aspect that I really, really love and really appreciate. So I wanted to highlight it here. Uh, Thank
2: you. I yeah, yeah, like the goose though. That's good stuff. <laughs> on
1: that's the- oh,
2: that's oh, good.
1: It was. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Well, listeners, we we're gonna eminently get to to uh, another film that we're gonna talk about with Grady, but please, 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 as you're listening to this episode how to sell a haunted house is available at all the major outlets uh you know visit your local bookstore please support your local bookstores uh visit your you know internet outlet of choice uh visit your local library wherever you can you need to read this book Nathan and I have both read it and it is it is absolutely excellent if you love Grady's work this is going to be another very very favored addition to it so please 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 check it out and Grady thank you again for being with us
2: no so oh, of course it. hey listen it's a book that made uh Nathan like changes his venue. I mean, what, what more endorsement does anyone need
3: <laughs> it's so great
2: it's so great
3: yes uh, yes uh, you dragged the uh, chair we have we, got to we've got to have you back when we've got more time um sadly at this moment we don't have more time so about this movie no really about this movie so today <laughs> uh every every return of the fog uh we take january off we come back with a bang where we're talking about films from the previous year. Uh, uh, We are are talking about a doozy today called Deadstream on Shudder, and we're going to get into our feelings on it. But in case you haven't watched it, Deadstream follows a disgraced internet personality who tries to win back his followers by live streaming himself at an abandoned haunted house. When he accidentally unleashes a vengeful spirit, his comeback event becomes a real-time fight for his life. The good news is we don't have a ton of time, and this is a very light and frothy and effervescent (laughs) film. Uh, that doesn't require a ton of rich, <laughs> rich hot takes. Um, yeah. Deadstream. Yeah. Um, Reed, had you, had you seen this? So, uh, so I
1: had, so, uh, this you was, had. One of my ten, okay. Yeah. This was one of my 10 favorite films of the uh, horror films oh, of the year. Nice, Yeah. This was one of my 10 favorite horror films of the year. Wait, wait, so can you, you run through the other nine real quick? I'm just
2: curious.
0: <laughs> we don't
1: have time like, I just to want to hear episode, the titles. Brady. I'm curious. <laughs> so actually, I, I need to find that list. Hang on. I, it, okay. If you can bear with me five minutes, I will yeah, do yeah. that service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, okay. So 10, Run, Sweetheart, Run. Nine was Studio 666. Eight was Bones and All. Seven was Nanny. Six was Deadstream. Five was The New Hellraiser. Four was you won't be alone. Three was Halloween ends. Two was barbarian, and number one was Pearl. So, uh, and actually, I flipped those. I I flipped those since I think when we aired the episode, barbarian was number one for me, and and that has since flip flopped, which I predicted Uh,
3: might might happen. Just like I know. So (laughs) keeping us on our
1: toes. (laughs) So, uh, so yeah, I had seen Deadstream, and I have a, I have a. Uh, skepticism of found footage stuff. So so whenever new found footage thing comes out, I'm just like, uh, I'm not quite sure. But this one was getting some some heat, and and some people ha- were saying like, Oh no, this one this one's really good. So I was like, I'm gonna give it like 15 minutes. Like I'll I'll turn it on and I'll see what it is. That's it. Endeared, it endeared itself to me pretty quick, and and I had just a hell of a time. Uh, I thought this movie was so much fun, and I still like to tell people about it because I think it is near perfect. Like. If you're just in the mood for a B movie schlocky kind of thing, then I, I'm I'm eager to point people towards Deadstream because it asks so little of you and I feel like gives a lot back. So that was my first exposure with it. Now, had you, Grady, heard about Deadstream or had you seen it or yeah. What I had just heard about it and I wanted to
2: to see it and I want to have an excuse to watch it because yeah, it's one of the few haunted house movies that's a horror movie from last year. Like, sure, sure. I mean, I guess barbarian, maybe technically haunted house. I don't know, but mm-hmm. like haunted house movies have fallen a bit out of favor. And mm-hmm. I also, I'm like you, I hear found footage and I immediately fall asleep for the next 15 <laughs> minutes. Um, <laughs> sure. But I also feel like there's a lot going on for found footage because horror is the only genre that that continues to insist that it's true. Right. Um, I mean, from the earliest books, even, even turn of the screw, I mean, all the way back, it's like, Oh, this is a story. Someone told me that's what we found these letters and they're really true. Horror keeps saying, Oh, this is real. This really happened. It happened to a friend of mine. And so found footage, I think has so much potential, but I also think it's so overdone and done, Mm -hmm. you know, overdone the point of being done badly. So I really want to check it out. And I got to say, I agree with you. Mm. The first Mm. 15 minutes, like you're in or you're out, you know, Yes, Um, (laughs) Yes. I was all in, I thought it made a really great use of its found footage format. I found the lead actor so off-puttingly obnoxious, but I think that (laughs) is part of who his persona is. Like, I think that's part of the shtick. Um, And... There's all kinds of nits. I can pick every time someone had to drop some plot exposition. It <laughs> sounded like they were reading off cue cards. But yeah. at the same time, the Adult Swim Yule log is one of my favorite horror movies of last year. Oh my and God. The Fireplace. Yes. The oh, Fireplace. Yes. yes.
1: Yeah. yeah. I yeah. loved
2: it. But that movie features, I mean, really reprehensible Southern accents, like to the point at which it hurt me physically to listen to them. Um, <laughs> and so everything's got a downside. Everything's got a a, a Achilles heel. And I thought in this movie, dropping the exposition was their Achilles heel and trying to make everything work and add up. But I thought they did really, really fun stuff with the filmmaking. And Mm -hmm. it it also is one of those haunted house movies. So, I feel like you've got your gothic haunted house movies, like the shining or the others or the changeling. It's like, sure. House is old. You know, it's, it's, it's very um, stately. And then you've got stuff like the ring or Jew on or paranormal activity. You're you're leaning more towards found footage. It's a little Amityville horror. It's a little Mm -hmm. bland, but the blandness kind of works with it. And then I feel like you've got stuff like this or the evil dead or the conjuring, which is like, punchy like i can punch yeah. these ghosts like i can <laughs> throw them down the stairs and yes. actually when when he first throws the ghost down the stairs i'm like okay so great. And I, you know what i mean this is that kind of movie i'm oh i'm in so
1: great yeah because yeah. if the
2: ghost can hit you why can't you hit the ghost like yeah um <laughs> And there's a so, moment when the ghost, I don't want to ruin anything for anyone, but it keeps sticking its fingers up his nose. And, oh. are really, and and he's just like, why, why? And you never get an answer. But I was like, that's pretty great. Like, of course, oh. you wouldn't know why the ghost wants to pick your nose. Like, Well,
3: <laughs> feel free to spoil whatever. Yes. Yeah, We, we so, so for
1: Deadstream, so we we want to make sure, and Nathan, I'm coming right back to you yeah. just to let Grady know, for for Deadstream, uh, listeners have become acquainted. We are a spoiler-rich show for that stuff, mm. so you you talk about anything you want to talk about for that. Uh, go ahead, Nathan.
3: Well, yeah, i would never seen it. You know what? What's really funny is whatever we last watched on Shutter, or maybe I was just browsing Shutter a month or a few months ago. And the only thing I knew of Deadstream was I caught five seconds and it's the last run where he's fallen down the stairs. Uh, oh yeah it's, yeah. it's late, late, late. And so I saw that, but didn't have any context or anything. That's all I had for it. And so, you know, we're, we're queuing it up and, you know, we're, we're, we're approaching it from a haunted house vantage point And, and, you know, kind of like a good book or, 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 or a book, you know, sometimes I just don't like to know what I'm getting myself into and I'll just crack it open and and, and see what I get. And that's kind of how this was. And then within, I don't know, 30 seconds. I was like, Oh my God, this dude is such a goober and I'm kind of here for it. Um And I, I I'm pretty positive read. Here's a, a fear of God flashback. I'm pretty positive. If it if they didn't pay the licensing fees for it, they worked very hard to sound like they were going for it. But it's the Castlevania NES theme music playing towards the end of his opening video. Like oh, that is absolutely really? echo, echoes okay. of Castlevania uh, 8-bit NES. Because I don't awesome. know if you also notice this for the nerds in the house like yours truly in the background when he's shooting his home video is a, a TV with a stack of NES cartridges on it. Um, oh, cool. so I, cool. yeah, I was, I was just down for the vibe and to your point, Grady, once you kind of are just like, okay, with just how obnoxious he is, he's actually pretty charming in this like affable dopey idiot kind of way. And, and I don't have, uh, the writer and uh, name in front of me, I think it was a, a co-writing scenario, but some of the, I don't know how much is, is improv or scripted, but some of the one-liners are just hysterical in this. Oh um let's do this let's um we you want to do that ain't right reed and then we'll go to let's, some so right. let's do that ain't right and then that's so right and then we'll yeah we'll so, wrap it all up uh grady it's exciting that you get to be here for one of these because <laughs> it is time for the part of the show where we discuss things from the film that aren't just wrong but of which might be said that ain't right, that ain't right.
1: sure as hell ain't right
3: yes so so grady this is ostensibly a horror movie but we we we're gonna fold in that so right after this so so withhold any 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 funnies or or any just like that might categorize that way um for your that ain't right list things that are ghoulish creepy actively scary maybe a jump scare or maybe just so gross it would be called that ain't right what what might top your list grady
2: okay so this is something i think that found footage movies do really well. And this one in particular does well because it keeps using the POV cam and the mm-hmm. over-the-shoulder cam, is it gets you, and I know there's some people are going to take objection, it gets you watching the movie like a video game. You're hunting the frame. You're yeah. looking in every corner. You're really watching in a way you don't watch when you sit back and you wait for the characters and dialogue and story to wash over you. And at times it gets too video gamey. I'm going to combine the holy water with the syringe to, you know what I mean? I'm, <laughs> yeah. gonna, you know, mapping out the rooms and stuff. But there's an aspect of that that I think is so smart, and it's really evident in the first half hour of this movie mm. that I was watching this more intently than I would watch. No- I am looking for scare. Sk- I am looking for tricks. I am looking yeah. for something bad to come up. And so I know that's not one specific thing, but it's it's yeah. more in the first half hour than anything. That kind of act of watching is something I really admire. And, and I wish, I wish you could pull it out of movies. I wish you could get that effect into movies that add more emotion to them than this. Yeah. Sure.
3: Yeah. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to hand you this one because it piggybacks directly off what you're saying and, and would, would be kind of neck and neck with one out of that ain't right. It's because the the mechanism the trick you're describing of a multi-camera multi-angle uh uh, sort of thing as he's setting up these cameras to the room and then utilize the film utilizing that uh, um sort of pathway to illustrate on-screen elements is what i call the hanging woman in the hall and then, so uh uh, grady we have in uh in in fog lore the poop club which is when there's (laughs) a jump scare so effective you're like, oh. I'm knowing. <laughs> um, and there's a moment where he is trying to shimmy past this, this spectral or not figure that's hanging, uh, 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 you know, by 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 noose in this hallway that you can see on a camera footage, but he can't see that then, then she's not showing up the camera turns and all of a sudden she's real and she's filling the frame. And, and yes, that was a, a very real moment for me. But I mean, there's not much more that ain't right. To illustrate the tonal stew that is this film, than this man getting waterboarded with his own pee. I mean, that's, it is. Yeah. Like, oh that's. God.
2: <laughs> when I saw it going there, I was like, are they really going to do that? I was like, oh, yep, they are. Yes, <laughs>
1: sure, did. <laughs> sure did. And I appreciate
2: that there was no rem- Like, you know what I mean? That was just on their, in their bag of tricks. They're like, oh, well, yeah.
3: Why wouldn't we?
2: <laughs> why wouldn't we? Yeah,
3: why not? What a wonderful question <laughs> to be able to ask when you're making something like this. Why not? That, you know, That is
1: for the script for this. I can imagine for every single page of the script, they're like studio notes, you know, one person packing back to the other, like question mark. And the other person go, why not? Why not? <laughs> like, why, not?
3: <laughs> why don't we just do it? This um, is what we, this is what in screenwriting we call a payoff. <laughs> Cause he had urinated
2: in the bucket earlier. It's Chekhov's <laughs> bucket of urine. <laughs> You show it in act one, it's got to pay off in act three.
1: That's, that's right.
2: That's exactly, exactly right. Yes. I read about perfect. that in my drama class.
1: Yes, exactly. Chekhov's bucket of urine. Um, okay, so I think mine, I think my main one is going to be, because it's the one, so I'd seen it before, and I will confess that there's so, it, it comes at you really fast. Like it's mm-hmm. a very propulsively yeah. paced film. So there were a plenty of things in this rewatch that I didn't remember until they occurred, but one that had stayed with me was when she, her head, there's this ghost spectral thing that is like Milton mm. when her head <laughs> pops up through the middle of his legs and she yells guilty at him before like just going after his I was like, yeah, no, thank you, no, thank you. That ain't right. <laughs> no, thank you all night long. No, 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 um,
3: so, so yes, okay. that, that topped my list of That Ain't Right. Okay, unless we have yeah. any more desperate That Ain't Right. No, we're good. Going once, good. going twice. That has been the part of the show where we discuss things from the film that aren't just wrong, but of which might be said, that ain't right.
1: That sure as hell ain't
3: right okay gentlemen so if you can't tell by my haste not only are we trying to abide Grady's schedule but we would also like to get to some of the really wild things that happen in this movie so we have (laughs) talked about the things that ain't right but gentlemen I had no idea what this movie was before watching it for this and had no clue it made me laugh and smile as much as it made me start and jump so it's now also time for that part of the show where we discuss things that aren't just right from the film but of which might be said that's so right
0: that's so right it's just so
1: right. It's just so right. That's just so right. It's just so right. That was a mouthful. <laughs> it really was. You need a you need a breath, you need a drink. <laughs> okay. Grady, Grady is our guest, and uh-huh. I, I always like to defer, but I am taking first dibs on this. Okay. Please. I, I, I'm claiming first dibs because it will make me so sad if I don't get to highlight this moment that made me <laughs> laugh out loud so much is because I don't know why this struck me so funny. It's the stupidest little thing, but when there's this one point, cause he's got all his tools, his tricks, he's got the little things to provoke the ghost. He's got a <laughs> stupid list that he makes and, and all those little <laughs> provocations that he has. But there's a moment at the end where he calls the corner man is coming at him. And he flashes up and this he flashes up, he's like, ha ha, garlic. And he like throws garlic up on the screen and then he throws it at him. And as he runs away screaming, he goes, Garlic is bullshit <laughs> <laughs> and it, it at me. It's, it's just, I couldn't <laughs> compose myself after just the like. Oh man! The shock and awe of realizing like, oh god, garlic's not gonna do a thing. Oh man, it was that one was my favorite. That one <clears throat> had me. I think I rewound the moment when I rewatched it because that one, that one totally had me in stitches.
3: We can do more than perfect. one.
1: Grady, do you? What's
3: your that so right?
2: So I have two. One Please. is, um, I loved puppy guts. You know, he's walking towards that ghost kid in the room and you see him front and you're like, oh, the kid's going to turn around. He's going to have black eyes with no pupils. He's going to be a scary... And he turns around he's got like a puppy growing out of his guts. And I was like, I really admire that. You know, you guys above and beyond, above and beyond there. Slow clap. (laughs) Exactly. Golf claps. Um, But the one that I really, really loved was... After he syringes holy water into that head, and they let a really long beat go, and then the corpse's head erupts and just, like, gives him a facial of, like, warm yellow custard that he has to wear for the rest of the movie. I was like,
3: that's so that's so <laughs> great that's a great that that's a real just kiss timing i mean the timing exactly. that was perfect the timing <laughs> just... was so
2: good his deadpan reaction and then he has to wear it for the rest of the movie it's <laughs> oh, just oh god i i really appreciated that to no end oh
0: man so, okay. so well,
3: great. mine is two but it's but it's subheadings too so the two is okay. generally just speaking there's a lot of great script moments in this um <clears throat> uh And some one-liners I wrote down, y'all took some really good ones in terms of moments. One-liners I wrote down that are great is I've had the nervous poops all week. I mean, that's just (laughs) awesome. Not a big fan of barbed wire or bob wire, as my mom calls it. That was great. Uh, At one point, he's talking about running back and forth from the room. And he says, there and back again, like a hobbit's tail." And yeah, uh, yeah. great moment to Chrissy. He says, let's hurry before I think it through. So those are just some really great script beats. But a moment came where i started really paying attention to the common the comment crawl um mm-hmm. of his his viewers and y'all they're they're some funny funny they're stuff hilarious yeah <clears throat> uh a few quick ones that i wrote down says no one supports you everyone's laughing <laughs> it says this mythology is such a mess <laughs> says, are they are they ghosts or zombies uh someone in all caps says i literally pooped um the, two, like, two final ones one just said please fart <laughs> Oh
0: god! and the,
3: and the last one it says please sign this change.org petition for sean to stop being a <laughs> I did. Oh I did gosh. notice a change.org one, which I
2: loved. Oh my god, that was wait to your to your point. The barbed wire, bob wire line. Was he calling it duct tape or duct
1: tape throughout? Huh. I think. I, I think know. CK. I think CK. I don't think he Probably. had CT on it <clears throat> I think it was yeah, duct tape. Yeah,
2: I, I didn't think about it So you said that with the barbed wire, bob wire comment. But yeah, I, I think wondered, it's quack like, quack
1: tape. Yeah, yeah.
2: Okay
3: that's funny yeah, yeah i yeah, didn't catch absolutely. that at all um, So, yeah read. before
1: we end the, before we end the segment um so I, i'm just going to toss one more just to close this down because god i love that granny who apparently knows everything about <laughs> totems <laughs> she's, she's so great because she says everything she's like yes i used to work there and i put this totem in there and she gives this whole history is like this totem will protect and then the guy says like oh he destroyed the totem and she just looks right and he's gonna die (laughs) (laughs) it was good it's just like oh Oh, man man.
3: that was that was hysterical so
1: yeah it's terrible funny movie i mean
3: thank you boys that has been the part of the show where we discuss things that aren't just right from the film but of which might be said that's so right that's
0: just so right
3: I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to submit for the record, Reed Lackie, uh here in the presence of guests, uh, one more segment called That's So Dumb. And it's just going to oh. be my vulnerability <laughs> of telling you stories about illustrating just how dumb I am sometimes. I love because, this segment. Technology I love this segment. and watching movies. So we established with Leap of Faith, I believe, Reed. Mm. um so grady we covered a documentary or we did a documentary series last year in which we covered the william peter Blatty documentary leap of faith or that talks about him and the exorcist and Uh, (coughs) shatter freaking but sorry freaking yes sorry Mm. the the other william um we're in that so dumb you're fine (laughs) (laughs) um so Shudder, the, the streaming platform, and I really have a love-hate relationship. I try to love it. It deeply hates me. Um, and I won't realize this has happened until what you're about to hear. So if you just, for me, I don't know if this happens to everybody. If you just drop into Shudder, you know how it'll ping up the currently, it'll start yeah. streaming something. Like It opens with Shudder TV. Yeah. Kind of an mm-hmm. inset. Well, call it my ignorance or whatever, it loves that. And so then I'll go find the other thing and not realize what has happened. So I'm I'm starting um, uh, Deadstream and clearly uh, something is a little weird, but here's the thing. This is why I'm giving myself a little bit of credit here because there's the moment where Sean early on hypes the fact that he's got his own soundtrack, right? And he mm, right. pops the cassette in and we see it. So I don't think anything of the creepy Spanish language subtext that's going on underneath the events happening in the house. I'm like, wow, it's a real cacophonous score. Sean has given himself here. (laughs) 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 So then this is going on. I tracked it 18 minutes of this movie. It wasn't until. A moment happens, and he re uh, puts he puts the cassette player, the Wattman, back into frame and turns it off. That visual cue, the Spanish language kept going, and I was like, "Okay, okay, Shutter, like a puppet in a, a deceased parent's house." You got me, <laughs> you got me. <laughs> wow. Turns out, when I dropped into Shutter, "Il Dominio" was playing. And oh, it pulled okay. the audio track, which <laughs> is very quiet in the opening five, seven, eight minutes until it starts building in this raucous kind of Spanish language going on, oh, I thought it was just God. part of Sean's, uh, you know, soundtrack until I re- until I saw him turn off the soundtrack and I kept wow. it kept building, and that's how I realized. That's so dumb.
2: <laughs> you got an extra dimension to the movie.
1: Yes, that's yeah. right. You have a unique experience. There was this particular. Dumb stream. <laughs> dumb yeah. stream. Oh my gosh. Um, well, I will say this um, and and <clears throat> I'm, I'm about to give an invitation and depending on how the invitation yeah. writes, we'll, we'll either, um, you know, we'll spend a minute or two here, or uh, maybe <clears throat> we will move towards our, our usual exit sequence. Um, so uh this is normally the t- like normally with films we will spend time talking about all our silly goofy things that that's, that ain't right that's so right and then we'll get into you know the meat and potatoes of the the substance of the films that we cover and sometimes even in the silliest affair we will have like a uh, you know like something that just like really stands out to you I think it is fair to say I did not. So I'm just going to be honest. This is this is a year where one of my intentions is just going to be like I'm not going to try to force the thing. I'm just going to make it. I did not get very much in the way of deep thematic things that I walked away with with Deadstream. I did think that there were some interesting things when it was playing around with him, you know, faux apologizing versus sincerely apologizing. He was like, "I didn't know the homeless man was sick." I mean, that's, you know, that sort of thing. Um but I did not. So the invitation is, did either of you, as you're watching this movie, did it make you think anything? It doesn't even have to be that deep. Anything of just like, you know what? This is, this is worth noting. If it didn't, then we'll go towards our exit. If it did, I would love to hear it. Either one of you? I'm going to leave that pause in.
0: You know, I don't know. Nathan? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you want
3: to take the I mean, date? I, I really, you know, I, I, I chose to let the joy and sort of um carbonation this movie provided me uh be its own theme so so no (laughs) i I didn't work too hard to find something in this one how about you
2: great yeah so it's less about this movie and more about the genre a little bit Mm. but Mm. Mm -hmm. there was so i didn't under there was a whole thing of this movie where he's like she's trying to get a fan following and her supporters, and I've got to undermine Mm. that again. And I was like, I'm not following quite the logic here at all. But there was an aspect of that where I felt like the core of it was the more people who pay attention to her, the more real she becomes as a ghost, right? The more powerful she becomes, the more Mm. um, she's... Alive, I guess, or or able mm-hmm. to interact with the physical world, and it made me think. Have either of you guys ever seen Ghost Watch, that BBC oh, show yes. from nineteen ninety four?
1: Yeah, oh Yeah, 92? yeah, okay, yeah, no, yeah.
2: I think you're right, ninety four. Yeah. Um, but there's a part of that where it's where the penny drops. It's basically a reality found footage thing, but it's done as a BBC presentation of Oh, on Halloween we're going to spend the night yeah. in a haunted house, and they do it with real BBC presenters. And it really pissed people off. It was very war of the worlds at the time. And it's Mm -hmm. really well done. Um, I
1: love it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's really good. And, but there's a moment where the penny drops and you're like, Oh, the ghost isn't just passively being observed. The ghost wants to be observed. The more people who are watching this, the more it's influence spreads. And there is something, you know, it's funny. I used to talk to people, um, in I, I used to do some writing workshops and stuff, and people would talk about things they were scared of and crap like that. Um, but a lot of people would have dreams or nightmares about someone standing in the corner of the room watching them. Or, mm. you know, they're, they're looking at someone and they turn around and see them. And there is a real fear of being seen because it's an active activity on the part of whatever's looking at you. You're not looking at it. You're not observing it. It's looking at you. It's watching mm-hmm. you. And that's something that is a real turnabout in ghost watch. where, oh, we're not just watching a ghostly haunting. It's mm-hmm. using this broadcast for its own and to be watched. Mm-hmm. And there was something in Deadstream where I don't think they quite got it. I think it slipped out of their fingers. I don't think they quite latched onto it, but I think it was there where it was, this ghost wants to be seen, it wants more, it wants more people, it wants more this. And there's a greediness to that, that Mm. I think really does resonate. And a lot of like, ghost stories back to the 19th century, ghosts who want, they covet, they want things, they want warmth, they want people, they want whatever it is they want from us. And I think that's always really scary when it becomes the two-way street not just oh i saw a ghost but the ghost saw me
1: Ooh, i think so one of the things that i think of whenever i think about that now uh whether we're talking about ghosts or to get back to the 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 long-standing debate in evangelical circles that you talked about are they ghosts or are they demons or whatever whenever i think about um spectral the the concept of a spectral entity um I believe I believe it was c. s. lewis who f- who I first encountered this concept, but it lodged like somewhere deep in my brain. So this, in my imagination, this is kind of how this sits of of the concept of an appetite, although appetite sounds uh, perhaps a bit more voracious than I intended, a need, a lack, an appetite of something that is incapable of being filled. So it must always be sort of pulled upon. It always has to kind of, you know, they have to draw from something. So to your point about, you know, ghosts needing to be seen, there's that line from the changeling, which we've covered on the show, the George Scott film, where he says this, this house is trying desperately to communicate, you know, something that there's like a need or something that it's pulling upon. Um, But I find that, when I think about the idea of ghosts, specters, or, or demons or malevolent entities, one of the things I find the most scary about it, because we in our human form, uh, in, in humanity in general, most of our needs can be fulfilled. Now, will they be fulfilled is another question. Like Many, many people go without their needs being met. That's sad. That's tragic. So I'm not saying all needs are automatically fulfilled, but I'm saying that in our present way uh we do not suffer needs which cannot be somehow met or incapable we thirst there is an ability to quench our thirst we hunger there is an ability for us to be uh filled again um but that concept i find really really frightening that there's a state of being or you know in this concept that there could be a state of being where all you would feel was the need and all you would feel was the lack and um and what it does to try to end it on a bit of a, a, a hopeful, optimistic <clears throat> note, is it? I'm not trying to work hard here. It, it makes me grateful for when I have a need, whether it be a simple one, like I'm sitting here, I'm thirsty, I have a drink by my side. It makes me feel grateful when I am able to satisfy a need that I have largely without thinking about it because. Uh, again, one of the scary concepts to me uh, would be not being able to have your basic needs fulfilled. So I, that's where my imagination went with your observation there, Grady. So I don't know if I took it in too far. A no, no, place, I don't think but. you
2: did at all. You know, it's something that I really thought about a lot when I was doing Southern Book Club uh, with mm. vampires, right? Because vampires yeah. consume, but they don't produce. Yeah. Um, and mm. there is, there is, so there's this, it's gotten a little woo woo, new agey, but. There's a concept. I think it's of Jibwa, um, but it, it's a Native American concept called Wetiko, and it's this mm-hmm. idea of a hunger that can't be satisfied. It oh, eats, wow. and, eats mm-hmm. and eats and eats, and it's never. And 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 it's also known as Wendigo, um, mm-hmm. the that spirit mm-hmm. that possesses people that turns them towards cannibalism. This this gnawing hunger, mm-hmm. and it is, I think, something you're seeing more and more um, in horror. I feel mm-hmm. like zombies, things like that, um, yeah, yeah. where you're seeing this idea of here's a hunger that can never be sated. Here's a need that can never be fulfilled. Is there anything more horrifying than that? That, right. yeah. you know, and, you know, you look at it in, um, I mean, you look at it in sexual predators, you look at it almost anything. I, it's this yeah. idea of the or drug addiction, anything, this mm-hmm. idea of I'm going to keep doing this, but it's never going to be enough. And I think that is horror. And listen, I don't want to get from dead stream to this by too (laughs) too direct a step, but I do think it is a concept in horror that really resonates. And I think, you know, you see it a glimmer of it in dead stream. I think you see more of it in other horror movies. I think you see it when you look around, you know, this idea of, I need something that I can never have and whatever I yeah. have can't fulfill that need
3: well, well and I talking think early... oh, oh you go ahead yeah no no no, no. Great when you, you were yeah. talking earlier about the the <clears throat> your ambivalence or feelings about the found footage genre what I thought about there is we've entered a new societal moment where the found footage conceit has more legs not to say that every yeah. found footage movie is good I don't mean that but you know Blair Witch Project they had to really work to make the narrative fit and make sense these days. I mean, Deadstream is a perfect example of this. Like it doesn't take work at all. You know, you, you would need mm-hmm. some competent or compelling narrative to, to, to straddle alongside that. But it's interesting. You talk about the ghosts need for eyes to be seen that sort of thing. And, and, and what's sort of ping ponging around for me and it'll be sort of half formed. And, and maybe that's that, but fascinatingly, sean comes to a revelation in this film of she's like me right mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. i wonder mm-hmm. if the converse is the truer statement i am like her like and oh, what does it say wow. of a society right. who cannot be sated and and you used stark examples drug addiction sex addiction etc but i mean i would say it doesn't even have to be that extreme to to signal unhealth uh yeah you know, right and, and i've thought a lot lately A lot um one i i adored and and we we're a horror show so we don't talk about movies like this but recently watched marcel the show with shoes on for the first time the film and and just deeply deeply adored that movie and something that and i'm going to paraphrase it but uh a, a scripting note that happens in it that just has just been reverberating through me is at one point in reflecting on the work dean the filmmaker is doing to try to help marcel reconnect with family marcel Uh, um assesses the scenario and basically says um um, this is an audience not a community Mm -hmm. like these people Mm -hmm. are not actually here to help us they're just here to watch us and what like really i'm not going to do it justice in the two minutes we got left but like that has really lodged deep with me as we try to foster stuff here uh, on the show like what is the difference between having a community of people with whom you share common interest and com- share common good um, versus just wanting those eyes, you know, and, and, yeah. and turning into that ghost and, and how ephemeral we become when yeah. our need is not read. I think you were trying to make a point similar to this of, of like con- uh, never able to be met need.
1: Right. Yes. Right. The, right. The, right. An, the, an insatiable need. Yeah.
3: Yeah. To be perhaps to be truly alive to be human in its most lovely and pure form is to to sit in one's skin comfortably and and mm. that be the period of the end of the sentence you know like yeah not have that sort of insatiable thing. anyway um uh, to yeah. your point maybe too far a leap for what deadstream is after but mm. these are things we no, no. do here at the show
2: but i actually so just to say and i don't want to go too far with this because who that you know we're gonna wind up hugging each other virtually but <laughs> <laughs> that's okay community the, the, the difference between a community and audience and I do think that's something it's also the difference between having meaningful interactions with people and not interacting with people and yeah. I think yeah. it's we're never gonna be perfect. And I think it's sure. better to have some interaction than no interaction. And a case in point and I don't know I don't know Reed where are you generally so, roughly uh, I-
1: uh i'm in california yeah i'm in la yeah yeah the the southern california area yep so i don't know if
2: y'all's experience is similar to this but like in new york walking between my house and my office which are about three blocks away i walk by four or five homeless people every day Mm -hmm. um and you know i i worked in a, a soup kitchen for a very long time and um and it's very easy just to you on it's exhausting you know it's someone asking you for something that's eight in the morning you got a million things on your mind or whatever and one of the things someone said to me when i was working in the soup kitchen is he's like well you know i wish people would just say no he's like i wish they just wouldn't walk by me wow and i realized that's right like you just treat someone like they're a ghost you, you know, wow. you wow. walk right by. And and so years ago, I made this really conscious effort. I mean, I give money when I can, if I don't, I say, Hey, I'm sorry, I don't have anything on me. And for me, and listen, I'm not saying like, Oh my God, I'm a saint or anything, but of course, yeah. it's a different quality to the interaction. And you can kind of feel it in the moment that, okay, I just told a human being, I'm sorry, you said something to me, I'm responding to it. And I'm moving on. Right rather than I'm just going to walk by and not say anything is if right. you don't exist. And there's a yeah. real difference in that, and it's not a great interaction. Like I'm not like, Hey, sure. I'm sure. so proud, but right. it's a better interaction. Yep. And, yeah. and so I feel like to what you're saying, Nathan, it's like, everyone can't be a community, but we also don't all have to be strangers, I guess sure. on some yeah. level. Sure.
1: Yeah. I feel like that's really profound and, and like n- tying it back into Deadstream, and maybe even tying a bow on it. You know the substance behind. Uh, ha- we, we're so averse to what we would deem as potentially negative interactions that we can sometimes generate those negative reactions by, to your point, Grady, just ignoring people, treating them as if they're not even present with us in the in the moment, instead of treating them like real human beings. And Deadstream, you know, again, it is not a deeply thought-provoking movie. I no. honestly, we have, <laughs> we have had a we have had a richer conversation in the past ten minutes than I thought we ever would about <laughs> this movie, but. But I will say that like baked into the premise of the film is him needing to reclaim his social media status. He's now got funding again. He's got thunder and everything and social media, which I'm not going to, you know, it's the easy punching bag to beat up on social media, but it does create some of those insatiable needs. It can create some of those plastic interactions or or, or non-meaningful interactions. It can do a lot of that um, if you're not cognizant and not careful, and you can have you know, hundreds and hundreds of friends who are like ghosts to you. They don't know you, yeah. they, you don't know them. And, um, and, and so maybe, and we, we talk about this a lot on the show that sometimes the premise itself is enough to give you something to think about that is worth like latching onto and just saying, you know, and yeah, Deadstream does very little with it other than try to make you laugh and try to make you jump. But the premise itself is probably something to make you think like, don't be a ghost in your world and, and don't uh, treat the people around uh, you as if, as if they're ghosts, you know, as well. And I think that's, I think that's profoundly something worth thinking about. And I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for, (laughs) for the fact that we've had that, uh, that exchange. So, um, want to be, and I also just want to say, I
2: really like, I can't remember if it was, which one of you guys it was who said, you know, well, is she a lot like him or is he a lot like her? Because I actually think that's really, yeah, yeah, they are both, you know, he's not so original.
1: No, (laughs) absolutely. Absolutely. So, Grady, what we do when we sign off is, and we can do this in in about two minutes or less, is we do something called the fog meter. It's the fear of God meter, and we call it the fog meter, where we rate these films on... Uh, In our parlance, the fear and the God, which stands for the scares that it has in it or like the creepiness factor and the substance that it has on a scale of zero to ten nathan since grady's uh new to this let's you and me go first to kind of give a flavor for it um so this is the fog meter for Deadstream, and um i'll go first on the fear measurement i do think there's some pretty legit jump scares on it i don't think it's going to give anybody any nightmares there's some really gnarly like creatures and jump moments in it uh i'm gonna land at a six for this for the fear measurement what say you nathan
3: yeah i think that feels fair and and i was worried I'd, i'd I didn't know where you'd land. And so I was worried uh, coming in with something like a six, I'd, I'd be a little high, but, but I think uh, there were several jump moments. I think the, the makeup effects are, are pretty good. Uh, and it's got a kind of gnarly energy to it, especially by the end when everything's devolving and that head pops in his mouth. That's just <laughs> <so> disgusting. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm going to give a six on the fear measurement as well. So okay. Grady, Grady on, a, on a zero. I would 10. go,
2: I was going to go, you know, you guys have me convinced, but I was gonna go to a seven on the beer, just because I think mm-hmm. technically speaking, in terms of like the timing and the rhythms and sure. how to deploy things, this was pretty clockwork in a good way. Yeah. Like I yeah. thought there weren't a lot of missteps. Um, mm-hmm. it was very low budget. It was obviously, you know, a small crew. And I sure. think they pulled off the scares. I give it a seven, but awesome. Let's let's, Own your let's seven, go to the sir. next one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: So um so what I'll say for that one is obviously like as we've unpacked, I feel like a lot of that was either baked into the premise or something that we brought to it because we're all thoughtful people with creative imaginations. So so because of that, if I'm being fair on the god meter, I'm not gonna give this for premise alone. I'm not gonna give this north of a two. So for me, it's a two on uh on the god meter. Nathan, what say
3: you? I'm gonna go for i'm gonna go for a one which i, okay. I hate doing it because it feels mean but it's not a mean one it's just a oh, like yeah. no. it's just a it's fun, just, yeah. fun yeah fun romp
1: it's fun yeah exactly, yeah.
3: See, exactly.
2: I, again i'm i'm up a, i was gonna go for a three like uh, i feel then... like there's not a lot of substance there but it's it's not a six pack of bud light it's like a six pack of
1: narragansett you know what i mean it's just a slight <laughs> cut above Sure, sure. Absolutely. Well, that means that for for the official fog meter, we give this movie a four out of ten, which gives a flavor for how scary it is and and how substantive it is. So I think four feels right for Deadstream. But in a quick round, Robin, uh, would we recommend it? Uh, Grady, would you recommend people see Deadstream?
2: Yeah, it's 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 fun. It's fast. It does no harm. And it never gets boring. Even when stuff gets a little eye rolling with the plot exposition, they're on to something else five (laughs) seconds later. So I I can't fault this for boredom.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Nathan, would you recommend it? Yes, I thought it was a (laughs) heck of a lot of fun. And again, for me who had no idea, I didn't know tonally it was going to be the comedic sort of thing it is. Uh, And so I was very pleasantly surprised by that within minutes and and just really enjoyed myself and smiled through most of it. So yeah, very easily recommendable.
1: I wholeheartedly recommend it. It was my number six favorite horror film of the year. I I think it's wonderful. And I I have pitched it to people before this episode where I'm like, look, if you're looking for something schlocky and fun, that's going to make you laugh and jump and not ask too much of you. Deadstream is great. And, uh, and so I I highly recommend it in that regard. Grady. uh, Thank you. Can I just say
2: also, (laughs) if there were two doors in front of me and one was showing
1: Deadstream
3: and one was
2: showing the Fableman's,
0: I'd go see this. <laughs> oh, awesome.
3: oh, you can so basically fun. watch the dead stream twice, you know. Yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. Absolutely. absolutely. I, am, I am going to take some liberties, Grady, and quote you in my letterbox when I say "fun, fast, and does no harm." Uh, when I'm reviewing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, dead yeah. here. That's awesome. That's awesome.
1: Well, listeners, uh, to emphasize again what we spent the first half of the conversation talking about, like Grady's new book is out now as you're listening to this episode, How to Sell a Haunted House. If you're acquainted with his work before, please check this one out. You're going to love it. Uh, Grady, where else might they find some information on you if people are like, yeah, the I like The best
2: way is GradyHendricks.com. It's got all my social media garbage there. You can get all up in my stuff's. That's all. Or avoid it if you don't like it. Just don't ever go there. (laughs) Oh my god!
1: Well, and you know what? Like uh, last we talked, uh, we we briefly mentioned Occupy Space, which you've re-released as Bad Astronauts. And so, like, yeah, I finally get to read that. That's exciting.
2: I'm trying. I'm trying, man. (laughs) I'm I'm pimping all my rides. I'm (laughs) I'm getting all those books revamped and out there with new covers and tweaking
1: the text a little bit. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, we are incredibly privileged and honored to have you. Thank you for taking some time out of your very busy schedule to be with us and to have this conversation. Really had fun. We hope you did too. And um, so listeners, uh, uh, thank you so much for hanging with us. Grady, thank you for your time. Nathan, as always, thank you. And as we say on every episode, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And in that spirit, we encourage you to fear nothing else and be on your way rejoicing. Next week, We are going to be talking uh, potentially with some some other special guests about the film Barbarian. So come back next week. If you have not seen Barbarian, come check out Barbarian uh, and and watch it. Yes. Watch it. Know nothing and watch it. And we will see you uh, next week. Grady, thank you so much again, Nathan. Bye, y'all. Thanks for having me.
3: The Fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation, and you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. Start by visiting thefearofgodpodcast.com for links to our social media and episode archive, essays, merchandise, and more. If you love what we do, consider becoming a patron by visiting patreon.com slash thefearofgodpodcast, where you will unlock exclusive bonus episodes, extended standard episodes, online events, and so much more. Special thanks to Jacob Hunt of Tracermatula.com for our artwork. Our assortment of talented musicians, Andrew Nelson, the Island Family, and Jackson Harper for our varied show tunes. And to Lee Wright and Reed Lackey for our theme music. Special thank you also to Tyler Smith at MoreThanOneLesson.com. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. And if you listen to us through Apple Podcasts, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review.